0: Well, good afternoon, everyone. The H-1B Guy here, and today, the H-1B Guy Live, September 21st, 2022. Today, I'll cover H-1B demand remains strong, while IT unemployment is approximately 2%, as well as taking your questions and comments. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't already, to please subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube and like this video so that I can continue to produce more content like this for you. I also want to mention the H1B Guy offers a variety of consulting services. I help businesses and individuals solve complex work authorization issues in the recruitment process while bringing awareness to employment based immigration benefits. If I can help you, please reach out. I'd love to hear how, and you can book an appointment directly with me via the h1bguide.com. Today's live stream is brought to you by Cydesis and Path to Canada, the ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain, by perm-ads.com, the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys, navigating the complex perm recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process, and by Mob Squad. Are you a technology professional facing US work visa related challenges? Don't leave your fate up to chance. Our partner, Mob Squad, has a solution. Join the squad. Well, we are a little after 3 p.m. here on uh, Eastern Time. I wanted to thank everyone who's taken time here to join me this afternoon or jumped in here on this live stream. I uh, really do appreciate your support. Uh, there's been a lot going on, or uh, really a lot in in terms of not much has changed over the last few weeks. Uh, really going back to you know August 23rd when USCIS came out and announced um, that the cap for H-1B lottery had been reached, and subsequently ten Eleven days after that, um, the Department of State posted the October visa bulletin. Uh, of course, with pretty significant retrogression in India EB two, and and really minimal forward movement across most of the the other categories. Uh, last Wednesday, I, you know, did another H one B guy live where we spent a lot of time talking about, um, you know, what priority dates may look like over the next year. Um, of course, if, if you go back and, and check that out, you know, we are really back to that 3,800 plus days um, on priority dates to dates being current. And um, we can go back and look at a lot of 2021 content and even some 2020 content where that 3,800 days seems to be um, kind of a consistent uh, variable. And a lot of you push back on that, rightfully so. Uh, But hey, you know, I have my process. I I have my own methodology. You all have yours. Uh, That's the great thing about this is that this is all opinions. Um, Predictions are something that interests me um, in terms of personally uh, and professionally. And they're predictions. They're for your own entertainment. They're completely made up guesses and uh you know my advice is use them for your entertainment purposes and i appreciate everyone who continues to support the h1b guy forecast videos and the h1b guy grades videos that i put out each month um i, I know that there is value in that for some of you and just appreciate you continuing to come back to me um, as a source of information for you i did want to cover an article uh, that caught my attention and the reason why this article, you know, caught my attention is uh, it was actually shared originally um, by the staffing uh, industry um, SIA, and it, on a website called uh, the the Staffing Stream um, was an article that was originally written. Um, by Craig Johnson, who is a senior managing editor for Staffing Industry Analysts, uh, and what caught me, you know, being honest, was in SIA. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a frequent reader of uh, their content, and the headline was "When H1B is the Gauge." And I'm like, hmm, wonder what that means. And so, this article was put, was pushed out on. Uh, September the 14th, uh, last Wednesday, uh, a week ago from, from my past live stream. And the article starts off by saying, quote, announcements of recent layoffs by several type firms indicate the unusual economic times we find ourselves in. The U.S. economy added 528,000 jobs in July, blowing past estimates. But many economists say that number does not tell the entire story. Job growth did slow in August, with the unemployment rate rising to 3.7%. The interesting phenomenon is that while layoffs are bad news all around, demand for IT talent remained strong Take H-1B visas. One indicator of the strong demand came on August 23rd, when USCIS announced it had received enough petitions to reach the congressionally mandated 65,000 H-1B regular visa cap, and the 20,000 H-1B US advanced degree exemption, also known as the master's cap for fiscal year 2023. It really reflects the extraordinary level of demand for talent, said Mark Roberts, CEO of TechServe Alliance. He noted the number of registrations up 57% year over year. One note on the process that initial electronic registration selection process was completed in March, and then USCIS conducted a random selection of 127,600 registrations it would be needed uh, to meet the visa cap. Um, the Society for Human Resource Management, firm, as we've covered a good bit here on this channel, reported that USCIS selected uh, more petitions than needed to fill the cap to account for employers who do not follow through on the petition process, as well as the cases that are denied or withdrawn. So H-1Bs aside, other indicators also point to strong demand for tech talent. Many IT consultants that work through IT staffing companies are still receiving multiple offers, Robert said. Despite a few stories of layoffs and hiring freezes among some high-profile tech companies, overall demand for technical talent still significantly outstrips supply. So even if there is some slackening of demand in a particular industry, there are other sectors that will gladly absorb those IT professionals. The unemployment rate in IT as of the end of Q2 is approximately 2%, and the TechServe Alliances IT Index shows overall IT employment has remained flat for the past year because of lack of supply. Our research at SIA uh, shows growth in IT staffing has recently been particularly strong. There is talk of a possible moderation in that growth, but those forecasts still see the market as strong. So really a lot to uh, to unpack here in this article. Uh, what I wanted to start out with was kind of going back to, um, you know, the July jobs number. We saw some of that contraction in August. Um, you know, unemployment as a whole, not just in IT, but as a whole, 3.7%. And then, again, I've been seeing estimates saying IT is around 1.9%. This is approximately 2%. Um, but I can tell you what's really interesting here, and, and this is the thing that, that I want to remind all of you, um, my background, which is I've been a tech recruiter, IT recruiter, uh, going all the way back to 2004. And so I've seen kind of the ups and downs of uh, talent acquisition, specifically in IT, And IT, not just contingent staffing, but PERM, um, retained and executive staffing. And I've worked for tech startups all the way up to very large Fortune 50 type organizations in terms of meeting uh, their contingency and and labor needs. And so when we see this number that says, you know, again, less than 2% IT, we're remaining flat, right? Remaining flat. Because, why? Well, it comes back to the overall uh, lack of of talent supply, and I think the bigger repercussion when we start to look at you know what's going to happen from from a COVID perspective, right? the fewer international students that have entered into the U.S. over the last couple of years, the climate for international students that are coming into the U.S. that have seen kind of the trials and tribulations um, that currently exist for those that are, one, competing against 483, other individuals who are looking for an H-1B visa. Uh, when you look at 3,800 plus days in, in terms of priority dates being current. And you just start to hear these personal experiences and individuals who are speaking out on need to consider other options. And so what's really interesting is when you see, uh, the staffing industry analyst, uh, to me, it tells me this becomes more of a mainstream conversation, a mainstream conversation about is 85,000 enough. We've talked about that um, a lot here on this channel about if we're going to increase the annual allocation of H-1B visas, how do we go about doing that? Um, and I've discussed multiple ways of doing that, primarily which would be increasing the advanced degree category. Uh, I've also talked about many times my my concept of this hybrid uh, selection. And to clarify for those of you who may be hearing about this for the first time, that is an H-1B lottery where um, there are four different wage levels and individuals that are earning the highest, right? The highest wage in those particular levels that reside in specific MSAs, metropolitan statistical areas uh, would be awarded versus this random electronic selection um, where we think US CIS Go out and select fifty, forty-seven. Excuse me, um, forty-five thousand plus more um, registrations than was necessary because of the overall application rates, which this article alluded to. So, IT employment remains strong. Demand in IT remains very strong. Uh, I've never seen a more competitive. IT staffing market on the candidate side in my 18 years in this industry. And so the interesting thing is that we start to go, okay, how do we fulfill that demand? How do we graduate more um, U.S. college graduates? Uh, Not just international students, but more U.S. college graduates. How do we graduate those in STEM fields specifically? What's the incentive for that? Um, And then how do we create a more friendly system for international students who are coming here that are U.S. educated? And if it's under the H-1B visa, what kind of um, reform would be necessary uh, in in order to make it more attractive for not just individuals, but but for employers? And I I think that's the question um, that unfortunately I don't have an answer for, but is absolutely worth discussing. when you start to hear rumors, as I covered during uh, the H-1B guy news for November 16th, 2022, it sounds like immigration reform for this year is um, is all but dead. But we continue to have conversations and discussions around, um, around that reform. There's been a lot of advocacy for um, employment-based immigration reform. And what we're seeing is that what, what's occurring, and from everything that I'm reading, is that there's conversations around um, the undocumented uh, immigration and trying to couple some of that reform uh, with documented immigration. And I think the issue is is that those are two completely separate, um, you know, again, issues altogether. And so. That's where ultimately it feels like we're at this kind of impasse with um, the, cur- the current um, uh, legislators that, that we have. And so when we start to look at where we are, right, September 21st, um, you know, the midterm election is, is going to be here before we know it. And I can tell you, um, for those of you who may be tuning in for the first time or, or you know, listening to me for the first time, uh, the interesting thing here um, is the ad, the ad campaigns that are currently uh, going on in the state of Georgia for for the Senate, um, and we have the current incumbent Raphael Warnock uh, is running against a uh, you know former football legend and and Herschel Walker, and so you know that that first Tuesday of uh, November to November first. Um, election day then is is the eighth and so you know literally we're we're about eight weeks i believe um we can tell you how how far we are um but we're really close <laughs> really close to the midterm election and you know again january will we'll be here before we know it, which will mean um, a whole new group of, of legislators that that will be put in office um, so, yeah, we're 48 days away, uh, one month and, and 18 days exactly um, until that midterm election is to occur. And I, I think that's when we're going to see, um, you know, a, a fair amount of uh, of changes uh, begin to happen again. You're, you're going to have kind of a two year window um, for these legislators to make their impact. Uh, but I saw some comments about the esteemed senator uh, from Iowa. Uh, Senator Grassley. Uh, and this is where, for those of you, again, who've kind of listened to me talk about my thoughts on politics as a whole, um, term limits. Uh, term limits in the Senate, term limits in the House, right? And, and when you have lifers like Grassley and Leahy and Durbin and McConnell, um, you, you have a lot of lack of turnover, lack of freshness on both sides, right? And, you know, ultimately, for for me, um, you know, I, I think that that's where I go. Term limits would help change a lot of things, not just in immigration, but just in uh, legislative action in general. So I thought this article... From, uh, from from Craig Johnson was really interesting when H-1B is the gauge so basically saying that now that we're seeing this very uh, significant continued demand for H-1B visas um, when you have you know, the totality of 127,600 selected visas comes out on August 23rd saying that CAP has, has been met um, and then comparing that to where we are in terms of IT unemployment remaining approximately around 2% or a little less than 2%, and the overall talent supply uh, remains flat. We're, we're at this really interesting time where, yes, we continue to hear a lot of uh, layoffs and cuts and kind of hiring freezes that have gone on in big tech and small tech and finance and everything kind of in between. But what I can tell you is, is as soon as those individuals and in tech specifically um, – have been going through the, the, the layoffs <laughs> they've been landing gigs pretty quickly and I'd love to see some of the turnaround for those folks that um, they have experienced layoffs and how quickly they've they've secured or obtained um, their next opportunity because in my experience this has been a really quick turnaround um, in general software engineers and and developers um, you know they're they're turning around very quickly especially in um, these, these tech orgs and, and e-commerce that are leveraging a lot of new and, um, and, and cutting edge tech. Uh, it isn't taking those individuals very long to, to identify their next new opportunity. So um, just wanted to ask you again, if you haven't already, please make sure uh, that you like this video and that you're subscribed to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube. Um, please click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime we do post new content here to this channel. Um, I appreciate everyone who's taking the time here to join me in here this afternoon. Um, would love to take some of your questions and comments. I see a few of those already in the chat. I definitely would like to roll through those. I have roughly about 30 minutes here this afternoon that that I can spend um, in, in taking comments till about 3.30 here Eastern. Um, so please feel free to, to drop those questions in the chat, and, and I'll definitely be getting to those. Um, for those of you who are new and, and maybe checking out one of my live streams for the first time, um, two to three times a month, I host a weekly live stream, typically on Wednesdays, sometimes on Fridays, um, where I talk about some of the latest news and take questions and comments specifically and generally around um, H 1B lottery, around the, the monthly visa bulletin, and, and just around immigration overall in general, uh, specifically high skilled employment based immigration for those that are looking to come to the US. Um, so, wanted to uh, start off. I had a comment that was posted before we went live um, that said, Why did the Department of State not increase wage levels for H 1B, although inflation is at an all time high? Why is the allocation not wage-based? Um, there's no demand at all. Well, I, I think there's a couple points here that, that you're trying to make. And you're trying to state if, if allocation for H-1B visas was wage-based, the demand would not be what it is. And I think you're accurate in that. I, I've talked about this. Uh, for those of you um, who've who's, you know, tuned in again, maybe to um, the podcast I did with Sophie Alcorn, You know, I talk about increasing that barrier to entry for the A1B lottery for this electronic uh, selection and, you know, kind of jokingly talked about increasing it to 100 an hour, Uh, excuse me, not 100 an hour, 100 per registration, even 500 to 1,000 per registration. And when I say increasing it, I'm talking about non-refundable, just like the current um, set up, which is a $10 non-refundable registration, uh, USCIS could, could easily increase this to hundred, but I think they could go as far as a thousand, um, per individual non-refundable. And if they did, I think we would see anywhere between a hundred to 150,000 applications for those 85,000 spots. But yet financially speaking, Um, the reward for them would be even a much higher revenue generator um, with a lower registration, but a much higher barrier to entry. And so why didn't they increase the wage levels? Well, I keep hearing that this is something that the Biden administration is planning on doing. Um, A lot of this conversation goes back to the Trump administration, where they attempted to increase wage levels um, for H-1Bs, as well as term uh, labor certifications. And so that was uh, a really interesting kind of piece of reform that they were trying to do through um, the Federal Register and and a notice uh, um, for uh, rulemaking. And that was back the end of 2019, beginning of of 2020, when, when a lot of that was going on. Uh, but I just I don't see where this current administration seems to have any interest in going down a wage-based selection for the H-1B lottery. They may increase the overall wage levels. Uh, many times I've talked about you know the average wage now for H-1B's uh, employees living and working in the U.S. is now a hundred thousand dollars annually, um, and that's pretty significant when you think about. All the varieties of wage levels. The average wage for H-1B visa uh, employees living and working in the U.S. is, is $100,000 annually, um, and and that's a a, a significant number uh, because that disputes the cheap labor debate that that continues to be uh, put put forth out there. Um, Ritesh asks. It's been four months and my document got submitted to Texas Service Center, USCIS, and I didn't get approval in the mail. Any comment on that? Yeah, I, t- I talked about this a little bit last week, Ritesh, um, where I said, you know, I expected by September 16th um, f- for those individuals, um, you know, who were still pending, uh, they should have an, an update. The... I got a, I got several messages from many of you, but the most recent one that I got, um, you know, said that uh, their case was filed on June seventh, and they received their approval on the thirteenth. Um, so maybe you can kind of go back and, and track again. I don't know if that was Texas, but uh, again. Um, you know, I think that's a good good idea for a timeline uh, for for many of you out there. Which that's you know, gosh, um, you know, June seventh to September thirteenth was roughly three months and six days. So that seems to be about in line with where you are. If you're estimating about four months, I would go back and maybe. Check on when your 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 application was was confirmed receipt or was delivered, um, but thanks for Good question, um, appreciate it. Just wanted to ask you uh, anyone else who may have uh, questions or comments for me this afternoon. Um, definitely have a few more minutes here that I can answer any questions or comments that you have. Um, I have one more here in the chat, so I will jump that up. Um, I hear last year there are 17k spillover H-1B visas. Is it true? Any insights on any insights on Vermont Visa Processing Center? Um, I'm not aware of 17,000 spillovers for H-1B visas from last year. Um, my understanding is is that you know they're legally obligated, right, to use all of the 85,000 um, to assign those out and to make sure that 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 those are individuals are awarded um, and that applications are submitted and approved. 17,000 seems like a pretty significantly high number. Um, I'd be really interested to know you know, where you maybe heard that from um, because I, I definitely have not heard that before. Um, but again, you know, there's a lot of things going on right, right now within USCIS. And I think a lot of it, as we talked about, are some of these uh, labor-related issues um, that were kind of exposed during the beginning of, of the pandemic in, in 2020. Uh, and I think the administration as a whole and, and the current USCIS director, Urge um, Du, with, with uh, the Department of Homeland Security, um, you know, Ally Mayorkas, I think that they've, they've made a concerted effort here to... Um, to try to implement a, a cultural change. Um, But that's something that can be very difficult. And when we start to look at you know, individual processes and, and where there may be some resource issues, and by resource issues, I'm just talking about overall productivity. How quickly can an individual process a paper application um, within USCIS? And, and that varies. Right. From individual to individual, we all have our own different capacities for production. Uh, But this is where I go back to we have to have electronic filings for I-129s because that can eliminate the human element to a lot of this processing for H-1Bs specifically. So I'm hopeful that we will see something like that at some point sooner rather than later. Um, we've seen them moving to electronic filings for a variety of other forms. So my hope is that they utilize some of these other forms as tests, right, because the significance in the filings, the number, the overall annual number of, of those filings is not um, as high as, as an H-1B would be, right, Those those I-129s. So if you have any other questions or comments, um, I will be wrapping up here in a few minutes. Please feel free to post those in the chat um, and I will pull those up. I know a lot of you on Twitter um, have been reaching out to me, um, you know, asking me, uh, you know, what my thoughts are around uh, the, the the first in, first out that's been occurring. And what I can tell you is that I cannot make any sense of how um, I-45 adjustment of statuses that were filed in October of 2020 and November of 2020 are still pending when cases that were filed subsequently after that, anytime in 2021 or anytime in 2022 may have approval. How that makes sense or um, doesn't make sense, I I think to me is, is something that needs to be looked into. There needs to be an explanation that we can't say that we were overwhelmed and haven't been able to get to it that just isn't a valid explanation um the interesting thing to me would be like isn't the policy first in first out so why are we adjudicating and, and processing adjustments of status that have been received um after cases that that were applied in in october of 2020 november of 2020 even december of 2020 Uh, And that's something that absolutely needs to be investigated. And to me, there has to be some sort of accountability and explanation um, for why we have October 2020 cases now that are almost two years old. I-45 adjustments of status um, that are almost two years old now that are still currently pending. Um, We've looked at some of these processing times, 28 months, 32 months. And and that's the explanation that they'll go back to is that the current processing times are are, are two plus years long. So i would like to thank everyone uh, who took time here to join me today. I um, really appreciate it. Um, if you haven't already, you know, would like to ask you um, to please make sure that you like this video and you're subscribed to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube. If you're looking for ways you can support the H1B guy platform, uh, if you're watching or listening to this at a later date, you can do so currently through the Super Thanks function. Um, but really, if you just would like the video and, and subscribe, or if you're listening on the podcast on an audio version, please leave me a rating. Would really appreciate your support. Uh, today's live stream was probably brought to you by Stendesis and Path to Canada. They provide a, an audio plant B for high skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. If you're facing an H-1B denial or OPT expiration, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you have a plan B. Cydesis and Path to Canada are your answer. They'll gladly help you navigate the process. And if you'd like to find out if you qualify, please be sure to use the link in the video description below, and someone from Cydesis or Path to Canada will be in touch. And also by perm-ads.com. The industry leader providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys Navigating the complex PERM recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process. If you want to reduce your costs and overhead associated with PERM labor certification recruitment advertising, let perm-ads.com help you. And also by MobSquad. Are you a technology professional facing US work visa-related challenges? Don't leave your fate up to chance. Our partner, MobSquad, has a solution. MobSquad helps technology professionals facing U.S. work visa-related uncertainty remain working with our current U.S. company near shore from Canada, as well as technology professionals from around the world who are seeking an opportunity to find a rewarding career in North America. Through their partnership with the Canadian government, they can obtain a Canadian work permit for you and your spouse in as little as eight weeks. So whether you're looking to stay working with your current U.S. company or you want to find a new opportunity in Canada, Please find out how the team at Mob Squad can help you via the link in the video description below. Join the squad. And I just would like to mention that on Friday, we'll um, be posting an interview that I did with a Mob Squad employee, an individual that was living and working in the US um, that had run out of options and reached out to Mob Squad, and they helped facilitate his relocation. Um, so, please check that out on Friday. That'll be on Friday, September the 23rd, that I'll be posting that. I've got time for one last question because I think it's a good one. And that is uh, Sarvesh asks Hi, is H1B demand going to go down in 2024? What's your perspective? <clears throat> Excuse me. Excellent question, Sarvesh. Here's what I think if $10 is still the registration fee, As we look at fiscal year 2024's lottery, it will go over 500,000. I never thought I would say that, but it will go over half a million. If USCIS increases that $25, $100, 500, 1,000, the demand will reduce significantly because what we're dealing with is just a low barrier to entry, the risk reward, the value of the H1B, right, for $10, the value on that return. Significant for employers, for individuals, they can go out hunting and have as many employers as are willing to sponsor them as possible. And this is where I have to think about like some of my friends that I've had the opportunity to connect with and interact with. Um, an individual uh, who I know from Ecuador uh, came to the U.S., got a master's in computer science, has been working a, as a permanent employee under an EAD OPT, EAD OPT STEM. Three failed lottery attempts now is at a point where um, their OPT STEM will be expiring, and at some point they're going to have to either status or leave the country. So that means either more education, more expenses towards um, a higher ed degree, and uh, even higher than a master's degree, right? Talking about like a program. And um, you know, I, I think that. Uh, Uh, It'll be really interesting to see. But, yes, I think demand will will be as high, if not higher, if that $10 uh, registration still remains intact. Uh, And then Naga, last question here. Naga asks, any predictions for India EB3? Um, Your priority date is September 2013. That's a good question. I've been starting to work on my November uh, forecast already and you know I, I think where you are if we kind of look at um, this 30 to 60 days of forward movement and EB3 continually um, as they catch out throughout the rest of the year um, you know that's that's an interesting one because you're kind of in this weird spot where you you, you could get back to uh, you, you could get back to current um, I, I think it's possible. Um, but it definitely is going to be something that we'll have to see you know what, what happens um, over over the next uh, several months I mean you really you, you're, you're talking about a year and a half before movement that would have to happen for you so i I, I don't see that date coming current maybe in Q4 but now we're talking about uh, fiscal year 20 24 at that point um so maybe the end of 2023 calendar year beginning of 2024 i think would be the earliest um so with that being said i'm going to go ahead and, and close this out here i would like to thank everyone um you know who's taken the time here to join me this afternoon i really appreciate your support uh we'll ask you one last time if you haven't already please make sure to like this video and you're subscribed to the h1b guy channel here on youtube Click the bell for notifications so you're notified anytime we go live like we did here today on September 21st, 2022, a little after 3 p.m. Eastern. If You've made it this far. Um, I know many of you have. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to join my live stream. If you're watching or listening to this at a later date, thank you so much for your continued support. Um, I just really appreciate it. Uh, follow me on Twitter, connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, join my Instagram channel. Uh, excuse me. Uh, connect. Follow me on Instagram. Join my Telegram channel. Uh, you can also follow me on Facebook as well. So definitely have uh, all the socials out there. If you're not following me on one of those medias, please uh, make sure to follow or connect with me. Um, would really love to hear from you. I'm Robert. I'm the H1B guy. Your global source for all things H1B.